Welcome back to the tape store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. And this is Jeff. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And we are in the thick of high spooky month. Yes. October. Halloween every day. It is, basically. As we like to Really since September. <laughs> and uh, we told you guys that uh, for the tape store that October was going to take a turn last week, and I think it did. Yes. With... The Storyteller's Chair, kind of the premiere of that. Yes, and we're so glad that you guys have uh, enjoyed that. Those of you that have let us know, we really appreciate it. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of good feedback, and we appreciate that. And we kind of use that as a way to kind of tip the scales, <laughs> I guess you could say, as far as, because we're going much darker this week. Yes. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say that um, I think I'm... If I may be so bold to assume, <laughs> this may be the first R-rated movie we've ever done. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, right? I think so. Yeah. Now, look, I, I just want to say, and we're happy to have Jeff back for this week. Welcome back, dude. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Yes, we've missed you. Yeah, we've <laughs> missed you. It's been a while, and uh, you know, it's been crazy in all of our personal lives. Yeah. You know, but... <laughs> We were thinking we weren't going to have you back until November, and then we were on the phone, and I was like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> here's what we're doing the rest of the month. You want to hop on? And Jeff's like, yes, especially <laughs> for this week's, because this week we are doing Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Yes. And it is R-rated, so, and, you know, we don't, you know, we don't use, like, profanity on the tape store. Right. And it's not that, you know, I think that, look, there's room for everybody with the podcast thing. For sure. You know, and in fact, we're really good friends with people who do podcasts that use profanity and stuff. I, you know, there's room for... It's not for, like a... It's, it's, it's just we want to keep our audience... The ability to have a broader audience by yeah. not having it. That's yeah. just our choice. And we want to be family friendly. And I know for a fact, if I'm not mistaken, we've we've had friends who are like, hey, I listen to this, you know, with my kids. And mm-hmm. we was want to, we want to keep that availability there. Yeah, that's all it is, you know. And so... Yeah, that's that's where we stand with that. But I will say, uh, if you do have kids, uh, of course, you know we're going to maintain obviously not using profanity. But I will say uh, that there will be a few times in in this uh, episode we'll be talking about parts of a movie, some kind of dark stuff, some dark stuff, and and some uh, some gore. Yeah, I guess you could say. So I want to go ahead and say that now. You know, before we really get into the movie, in case uh, you have to like do some damage control before, yeah, you that's all. To this you know, no profanity, but we no. will, there will, there is some some gore, you know, in this film and some dark themes. Probably, again, as I said, probably one of the darker films that we've done, right? And this is kind of you know what I was talking to Jeff, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I would love to be on that episode." Mm-hmm. So we're glad to have you on for that, dude. Me and Jeff have been best friends for best buds, best friends, brothers. Uh, I think it was since like 2001, 2002, right, dude? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, Jeff definitely been almost 20 years. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going on 20 years. And we've always, me and Jeff, uh, I will say that our, our friendship solidified over Lord of the Rings, but we, we soon found also hanging out that we both love all things Tim Burton. Yes. And, and me over in my spooky world was for the exception always in of, love uh, with Tim Burton as well. Planet of the Apes. <laughs> that's the only one I... Yeah. Oh, well, that's... I feel like everyone... With the exception <laughs> of Planet of the Apes, yeah. I, and me and Jeff have a funny story that we're not going to tell tonight about Planet of the Apes, but nice, Jeff knows guys. what I'm talking about. 
Oh my God, you guys! You know Tim Burton. There was a time when Tim Burton could do no wrong. Am I right, Jeff? Yeah, there was a time I'm, when early nineties. I really thought. <laughs> I, I, I early nineties. It I was have to he say, could do no wrong. You know he he did Batman. Yes, and you know that won our hearts. Of course. Well, really, it started with Beetlejuice. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Forget that's eighty nine. Oh gosh, I committed a major. How dare you? Major. Yeah. So he had Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. We had Beetlejuice. Well, I guess Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Okay, true. Okay. Uh, yeah. Beetlejuice. Which we, of course, you know, I didn't even know that was a Tim Burton movie until like- Me neither. I was like in, I don't know, like 19 or 20, I think, or something. I was like, what? Because I turned yeah, I it was, on. Yeah, I was grown when I found out. Right. Yeah. Well, we had Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and we had Batman. Oh, excuse me, Beetlejuice, then Batman. And Batman Returns. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, ba- yeah, yeah, Batman Returns. Yeah, Batman Returns. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, Edward Nightmare Before Christmas was, Nightmare. was so, so 93. What, I, what yeah. I'm saying is, I mean, just landing all these just, I mean. Just hits. Hits. Now, actually, and... Tim Burton did not direct Nightmare Before Christmas. No, but he was the creator. He was right. the creator. It, the it was story. like he, yeah, yeah, he like produced. It was it his and, vision, and, I guess, yeah, right. and, came, and that's what we love from him is just his, vi- yeah, the, the his. Visionary. It came from his mind, yeah, his yes. his universe, and then Planet of the Apes. What I don't, you know, what we're not even talking about Planet of the Apes, but I just, it's <laughs> just any t- me, me and Jeff love to talk about that. I mean, it's such expectation. Yeah, when yeah. you're when you're talking about Tim Burton. Yeah. But uh, we're not talking about Planet of the Apes. We're talking about Sleepy Hollow, which came out in 1999. So it is a 90s movie. Mm-hmm. The last year of that wonderful decade. It stars Johnny Depp, Christina Ricci, Christopher Walken, Miranda Richardson, Michael Gambon, Casper Van Dien, and many others. Th- this is really a star-studded cast in many ways. I mean, Ian McDiarmid, the Emperor, Emperor mm-hmm. Palpatine himself is yep. in this movie. Christopher Lee makes a cameo. Ugh. And of course, it's all in the you know from the mind of Tim Burton, right? And it it's very much a Tim Burton movie. Uh, there's no sunny days at all. Yes, it's, I it's, mean while the bones of it are Washington Irving, like he, I mean no pun intended, he really does add flesh to it. Like it's, yeah, it's a different story. And I well, yeah, yeah, it's and a reimagining is how I would yes put it. right just like it a, is a the Alice in Wonderland. Uh, yeah, movie. yeah, and, and he does it. He does those well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and what Brooke's getting at, and Jeff, of course, mentioning Alice in Wonderland, is is Sleepy Hollow is based on The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, a short story mm-hmm. written by Washington Irving, uh, considered an American Gothic yes. type story. Yes, uh, it's a very short. Actually, mm-hmm. it's a short read. You know, if you if you're if you like to read, and maybe if you you might not like to read, but it's a very very short read. It was written in 1820. Yeah. Yes. And The Legend of Sleepy Hollow was written in 1820 or published. Let's say it was published in 1820. Yeah. We actually just covered this this era in my... Because I teach American literature. Mm-hmm. So we've just been going over Sleepy Hollow and things like that. So but it's it, been fun. Yeah. Now, the original story written by Washington Irving, just to give some context here uh, from a historical standpoint, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow takes place in New York in 1790. And this is where the history teacher and me... I used to, you know, <laughs> yes. Uh, in 1790, George Washington was president. So, he, so we're still in the golden age of I mean, of the, the beginning, States. yes, of yeah. the beginning of our country, yeah, in 1790. However, the film Sleepy Hollow takes place in the same location yes. as Washington Irving's uh, story, which is Sleepy Hollow, which yeah. is this little village in New York, in 1799. So John Adams was actually president. I don't know why uh, Tim Burton moved the story ahead nine years. To uh, me, I feel like... 
it was 1999, 1799, new era change. It's quite possible, that, yeah. That because that's a big trope in there, literature for things to be set right at the cusp of a new century. Yeah, so, and, and there's a couple references to that. Yeah, so know, I, I mean, that would be my best guess, right? Because I was actually going to bring that up. So I'm glad you did. Yeah. So again, uh, it was published in 1820, which is still very early in our country's history. The original story, again, goes over, takes place during a time right at the beginning. Again, Washington was president. So the American Revolution was still fresh in everybody's minds. Right. In 1790, or even in 1799, if if we're talking about the film, it would be a period of time where you'd have a lot of veterans from the American Revolution. You'd have a lot of stories from that war. And that all connects with... Um, the legend of Sleepy Hollow, and and a, a very central figure in this story, which is the Headless Horseman. Right. And I love the Headless Horseman. Yes. I mean, for me, he's an iconic symbol of Halloween. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I want to talk a little bit, just for a second, about my first introduction to the story was the Disney animated. Same. Which was, uh, what was it, the story of... Is like, is, uh, the Avengers of Mr. Toad and Ichabod Crane. Right. The Avengers of Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad. Which... Disney did an animated version. And that was like in what, 1950? Yeah. 49? Something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's in the 40s. Yeah. And Bing Crosby does it. He's oh, great. So good. Right. But it was animated, and it, it they joined it with this other animated, which we never watched the one no, about the No, we fast-forwarded every time. We always fast-forward it and get to that. But as a kid, I remember that. And I loved The Headless Horseman. Yes. Now, Jeff, do you remember the Disney's animated version of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow? You know, I don't know if I know the Disney. I know I saw an animated version, right? Because <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think it was the Disney one though. It was. Uh, I, I just remember watching it. You know, when I, when I was a kid and thinking this is you know, you know, and then when when, when I saw the movie, like whoa, this is you know not the because I remember about Crane being more of like a like a, like the town like idiot or you know <laughs> basically really, I don't know like he. he, he yeah, like like the like Brooke was saying, like the jokes on him kind yes. of thing, you know, like and he he definitely wasn't the hero that Johnny Depp. No, no, and there really is, and Toby, you said this earlier, like there really isn't a hero per well, se in the Washington Irving. I, I would, yeah, the Washington Irving story is really more of this. It's very brief. It's mm-hmm. it's really short, and again, Washington Irving writes it from the perspective of. Not as he's giving a first person take yeah. on it. It's he discovered these mm-hmm. papers, or he's reading someone else's account. Yeah, he's a storyteller. He's telling a tale that he was either told or uh, or, or somehow he discovered. Right, and that's where we're getting it from. So Ichabod is definitely a protagonist in the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, but he's definitely not ideal in the sense that it doesn't go well for him. Right, you know. And we'll talk a little bit about the differences in, as far as the story compared to Tim Burton's film. Yes, because we because because Tim Burton adds to the story. Of course. I mean, again, this is a very short story. You have to add to it if you're going to make a movie. But again, there's some depth to even you know, and I love stories like that, mm-hmm. which that's kind of what Washington Irving did with The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Is he wrote this very brief story that was essentially the tip of an iceberg. And there's so much you can do with the idea of the idea of this um, scary specter yeah. that haunts that haunts a village, yeah. and in this case, it was you know it's the headless horseman. Well, and and in American literature, like we literature or even just um, pop culture, especially during that time, America is a new 
country. It's yes. still can I mean right now it's still a new country compared to other places. Yeah, compared to other historical So we don't have places. I mean now now granted I'm not I'm speaking for like America like 1776, you know. There's not like a you know Britain has this deep folklore that goes back to like fairies and like you know just right. all this old 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 stuff. We don't really have that. We brought things over, right? So I love the idea that Washington Irving was like we were watching the birth of an urban legend in literature. Yeah, some American. And that's pretty Ameri- cool. I, I see the headless horseman as a part of American mythology. Yeah, and it's like kind of. Yeah, it's it's because it, it was at the dawn of a new era anyway. So I don't know. It's interesting from a and, literary perspective. And we're going to explain who the headless horseman is. I'm going to go ahead and and yeah, explain. I'm just going to jump into a little bit of the film here. So the opening scene kind of wastes no time in setting the stage for this film being much darker and more horrifying than Irving's kind of lighthearted haunting. Oh, it is. It's definitely haunting, but it's also very lighthearted. It, yeah, it is considered, I mean, as we studied it in my classes, it's considered satire. Yeah. We have a man named Van Garrett. We just know his last name. He's Peter Van Garrett, we find, and he's played by Martin Landau, legendary actor, mm-hmm. makes a cameo. He's seen signing what appears to be some official documents, sealing them and then leaving them in then leaving in a carriage. Right. His carriage is then attacked by an unseen figure who decapitates the driver of the carriage and then Van Garrett himself when he tries to escape into a cornfield. And there is no um, there's no censoring this. No. I mean, we see it happen. It's very violent. Yes. And then we go straight to New York, 1799. Again, this is where we see a big diversion from Washington mm-hmm. Irving's story. Ichabod Crane, played by Johnny Depp, is a, a constable from New York. He's a detective. Yes. So the school teacher thing is not a thing. He's not a school teacher in the in the in the original story. He was mm-hmm. in Sleepy Hollow, Tim Burton's film. He's a he's a constable from the city of New York, uh, in in the state yeah, of like New York, New York City. Yeah, yeah. Right. Seemingly ahead of his time, as when we first meet him, he is advocating for forensic investigation of crime scenes and bodies and. Mm-hmm and fair treatment of criminals, of the accused, which, of course, was something that developed over time. Right. And he is essentially kind of criticized for his approach, which he refers to as up-to-date scientific techniques. And again, you talk about things are changing, especially yeah. during this time we're getting in, into he the— says, guys, we're on the dawn of the 19th century. The industrial, like. Yeah, the Industrial Revolution is not far from happening mm-hmm. in a major way in America. So we see that. And we see Christopher Lee making a cameo as a judge who sends him, really it seems more to kind of get him out of their hair in New For York sure. City. For sure. To investigate a series of murders, three so far, in the village of Sleepy Hollow. All the murders are decapitations. Two of these murders, we can assume, is from the opening scenes. So there's three so far. Two we saw two at the seen. beginning. Yeah. yeah. So... Jeff, what did you think of kind of that opening scene there? And 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 do you have any usual, I guess, trivia that you like to give us <laughs> about the production um, of the show? Not not as some not as much as I normally would. Um, I have a few fun facts about it. I know that Johnny Depp want, wanted to have uh, be not so you know handsome. He wanted to actually. Use prosthetics to make him look more like the literary character. Oh. Wow. Um, Yes. And that was over overrode because I um, see they did not Tim, do that. <laughs> yeah, of course Tim Burton wanted him to be beautiful. He wanted Christina Ricci's character to be beautiful, you know, cuz he wants right. like all, you know, almost all of his, you know, 
you know, um, protagonists are, you know, in his movies. Yeah, he always have the has these, you know, lonely and beautiful figures. And, and he always he always seems not always, but a lot of times he has uh act the act his main actress is a blonde. Have you ever noticed that? Like even you're uh, not the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, but the, uh, with the exception of Beetlejuice. Well, I, right. I, I do exception of Beetlejuice. I almost think that Katrina in this film, especially because I would say that the story by Washington Irving is is definitely gothic. It has a it has a a darkness to it, but no, it's not it completely. Is. But it's not completely dark. It's rom- It's technically it's it's in under romanticism. It's not Tim which, Burton dark. Though. No, but because the, there's romanticism and then there's dark romanticism and, and it skirts that line. Right, and because I think Katrina, when Jeff you describe Katrina, she almost serves as a a contrast. I think to the to that backdrop and if mm-hmm. you notice in in the motifs of this film when you look at the the colors it's like gray mm-hmm. black you know just cold dreary colors and every now and then it's specked with like the red of red. the, of the yes. cardinal or blue the red of the blood and with the flowers the orange well. of the pumpkins mm-hmm. so so the color is very very important in this film yeah it's strategically be- placed because for it's sure. strategically placed and i think that katrina being blonde against this kind of this dark backdrop I think is That's also a good point uh, so yeah but I want to read how Washington Irving actually just because Jeff brought up the whole prosthetics and the idea of Ichabod he actually is not attractive no like Disney kind of had it right Disney actually did have, have it right he is goofy looking so here what Washington Irving actually wrote I'm, I'm, I'm I have the book here he was tall but exceedingly lank, with narrow shoulders, long arms and legs, hands that dangled a mile out of his sleeves, <laughs> feet that might have served for shovels, and his whole frame most loosely hung together. His head was small and flat at the top, with huge ears, large green glassy eyes, and a long snipe nose, so that it looked like a weathercock perched upon his spindle neck to tell which way the wind blew. To see him striding along the profile of a hill on a windy day, with his clothes bagging and fluttering about him, one might have mistaken him for the genius of famine descending upon the earth, or some scarecrow eloped from a cornfield. Oh, bless him. So he was a weird-looking dude. <laughs> He's a new yeah. schoolmaster. Yeah. So Johnny Depp is really good-looking in this yeah, film. Yeah, he cute. He is. Like his, <laughs> I, even, I even was like... Man, his hair looks great. Like, is I he wearing know. a wig? I mean, he just, he looked really cool. Now, he did have a quirky charm about him. He, he had wasn't, the Burton weirdness. Yeah, but he was good looking. Like you said, Jeff, he was definitely beautiful. Yeah, he was. He is. Still is. Good grief. So, now that we've met, <laughs> now that we've met Johnny Depp's Ichabod Crane, who is incredibly entertaining and, and just oh, yeah. such a great protagonist. I mean, I loved him. Yeah. But he definitely isn't ugly, no. No. Uh, he's not unattractive. Crane arrives to Sleepy Hollow and meets some of the locals at a frolic, like a party. <laughs> a frolic. That's just what we call no, it. No, it's true. At the Van Tassel home. That's where he is. Which, again, this does follow the book. This yes, follows the, Van, the Yeah, the Van Tassels are, are a family in the story. Before, and, that's, and they have the big party at their house. Right. The first person he meets is... The daughter of the Van Tassel family, and that's Katrina, that's played by Christina Ricci. There seems to be an instant attraction, a curiosity between the two, witnessed by an apparent suitor, Brom Bones. This is Casper Van Dien's character, who accosts Crane and intimidates him, you know, obviously. This is directly from the story. Yeah. 
as Definitely. in the story, Ichabod and Brom are both vying for Katrina Van Tassel's affections. Right. Now, I will say, in Tim Burton's story, Katrina is independent. Yes. She thinks for herself and has an immediate real attraction to Ichabod, whereas in Washington Irving's she's, story... She's playing uh, Ichabod to make Brom jealous. Yes, absolutely. That is, she wants... Like it's You can read it. No, it's in she there. wants Brom. She wants to marry Brom, yeah. but she doesn't want to make it easy on him, so she kind of dangles yeah and again the the cartoon as well disney also shows that they show her like you know she's making sure brahm's watching when she's like making eyes at ichabod like it's definitely she was never into ichabod she was using him right so in tim burton's version and i'll give you know i'll give tim burton this he gives his female characters strength and depth and i appreciate that absolutely so he he's never going to give us a female that's boring he's just not no no which is is he rarely gives us any characters that are boring. well yeah any character but his female characters like sally um, she kind of is sally like the more i watch this i think that just in in that vein his female protagonists are independent they're powerful and in many ways are Almost ahead of ahead our... of the actual protagonist. Like we we talked about in Nightmare Before Christmas, how Sally mm-hmm. yep. is actually a better person than Jack. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways. Um, so there's definitely that exact uh, partnership going on here, in, in some ways. Yeah. So it's... after meeting Katrina, Ichabod then meets Baltus Van Tassel and his wife. Lady Mary Van Tassel. Now, Baltus Van Tassel is played by Michael Gambon. And lovely, lovely. Mary Van Tassel is played by the great Miranda Richardson. We have lots of Harry Potter re- uh, moments going on in this movie. Yeah, this is a great cast. <laughs> I'm just realizing, wait, wait, they were all in it. <laughs> uh, the, the Van Tassels have grown wealthy through farming, and through his wealth, he has a great deal of sway over the town. Crane introduces himself and says, this is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm here to solve the murders. But here's a problem. You're a long way from New York. Because in New York... There's crime, but mm-hmm. in Sleepy Hollow, there's ghosts. <laughs> there's ghosts. He's taken into this study where he meets Van Tassel and five, well, uh, and four mm-hmm. very important people. No, excuse me, five. There's the doctor, played by Ian McDiarmid, the emperor himself. Yes. The town's notary, which is played by Michael Guff, and if you don't know who he is, that's Alfred from Batman. Yes. The first two. No, no, he was in all of them. No, he was, he in, was all in them. He, well, he he was in all of them. He was in Batman, Batman Returns. I mean, not 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 the recent Batman Magic, Forever. Yeah. Go to her. Remember, <laughs> well, I rem- Jeff? I'll remember yeah. that. Tell her how you feel, and then of course Batman and Robin. We also have the magistrate, which is played by Richard Griffiths. That's Uncle Vernon from Harry Potter. Yes, and the Reverend, played by Jeffrey Jones. That's the principal from. Ferris Bueller. Rooney. Yeah, Rooney. Bueller, and yeah. also from Beetlejuice. <laughs> yes, he's also Mr. Tim Beatles. Burton likes to recycle his actors, as we know. Which, and I mean, no one's mad so at So <laughs> these are the people that essentially run things in Sleepy Hollow. The doctor, the notary, the magistrate, the reverend, and Baltus Van Tassel. Right. And then the three people murdered are Peter Van Garrett, his son, and a woman named the Widow Winship. It's very important. They inform Ichabod that there's more to the mystery than just murder, and this is where they tell the story. They're they're all decapitated because they've all been killed by this specter, this ghost that's haunting Sleepy Hollow, Mm -hmm. the Headless Horseman, and they give the whole story. Yeah, it's very creepy. And very quickly. Great ambiance. Yeah, and very quickly the story is, the Headless Horseman is a ghost of a Hessian soldier that was killed in the American Revolution. The Hessians were Germans that were paid by the British mm-hmm. to help them fight the colonists, the Continental Army, 
you know, again, in Britain's mind, they're trying to put this rebellion down. Right, so they get mercenaries. So they get get some mercenaries to come along with them. And one of the most brutal, formidable Hessian soldiers was this guy, this unnamed dude. Yeah, and he says, like, they didn't come, you know, they they came because they love carnage. Right, well, this guy particularly did. This specific dude just likes killing people. Who is this dude? This dude is after... The blood, not the money. Right. And he's played by Christopher Walken. The Headless Horseman, played by Christopher Walken. Which you'd think that wouldn't work. Right. I was thinking they would get this. Like, normally, like, you know, you wouldn't get Christopher Walken because he's just, he's kind of, I mean, he's great, but he's kind of goofy. He just doesn't come across as like an action hero. Jeff, what did you think of Christopher Walken being casted as the Headless Horseman? Uh, I remember at the time, like, I loved it. I mean, I still think it's good, but I I, I was really excited about it, <laughs> you know. And and especially when I saw him in the film, I was like, whoa, you know, like he looks he looks great, you know, with all the makeup and the teeth and the hair and the contacts. Um, yeah. And apparently, uh, Christopher Walken had a hard time riding the horse. It did not like him, or he didn't like the horse. It was making him right. Got knocked off a few times. Uh. Oh, According to some of some things I've read, online, I, yeah, I know there's so. one particular scene you could totally tell it was a stunt double. It was, yeah. I was like, okay, that was not Christopher I Walken. Mean, <laughs> anyone riding a horse that can be iffy, but a, a celebrity riding a horse, I feel like, is a whole other thing. But Jeff, a very familiar individual that we've talked about a lot oh, in a couple episodes already, actually, also shared this role. Surprisingly, of the headless horseman, who was that? That was Ray Park, who played, of course, Darth Maul. Yes. I did not. Put well, that because when when, when you think about it, the, the way this guy moves, I mean, the headless horseman. I mean, the way he fights and stuff. I'm like, man, Christopher Walken. I don't, I don't know if that's. I don't think I don't you know got if that. No, I don't know. I could actually tell it was Ray Park, and I remember our our mutual friend who loves Star Wars. We were watching it in one of the movie theaters uh, we worked at at the time, and I was like, "Is that Ray Park playing him?" And he was like, "Dude, it has to be," because we could tell the way he moved, wow. the way he like. You know, that's like cool. Moved his sword around and stuff. I was like, I, I bet that's Ray Park. And then we found out later it is. That's cool that you could um, tell that. Yeah, it I mean, was. He, he, he does a lot of that spinning he, you know, with his weapons. He does. And stuff. Now that you mention it. Yeah, and he's and he's good. I mean, he's great physically. Yeah, and you know? obviously, you know, the headless horseman does not depend on a face. <laughs> no. So you would need someone who's physically able. And I want to say as someone who at this up to this point whether you've read if you've read Sleepy Hollow the story and mm-hmm. you've seen the animated version you'd only seen the Headless Horseman ride a horse mm-hmm. and he's adept on a horse whether it's a ghost or it's Brom. And, okay, so spoiler alert if you read the the the, the original book. story, it's clear that it was Brom Bones. Yes. It was clear it was Brom. However, in the movie, obviously we're dealing with a supernatural figure, an actual ghost, and but to see him actually physically fighting and doing this stuff, yeah. even though he was, I mean, I mean, he was scary. Oh yeah, and he was horrible and he was evil. It still was cool seeing him do things other than just ride a it horse definitely and, and, was cool. and throw a pumpkin. Well, and he's. We didn't finish the tale. He he's he is. Well, yeah, that's what I was saying. Now oh, that we've, okay. was we've established say, sure who he is, that. but what is his deal? What is his connection? With Sleepy Hollow. Well, in 1779, this is still during the war, the right. American Revolution, he's finally overtaken by Continental troops as they begin to win the war. And as he hides, 
He comes across two young girls carrying sticks. One of them snaps a two stick. Two blonde, striking right. girls amidst this dark canvas right. again, yet again. And one of them snaps a stick, and it gives away his position. Yeah, she does it on purpose. Yeah. After a brief fight, one of the Continental soldiers cuts off his head. With his own With sword. his own sword. He was buried along with his severed head in the woods, according to Van Tassel, Baltus. Even the bravest men will not traverse the western woods as a seed of evil was planted there. And now, apparently, the Hessian awakes and is on a rampage, and he's cutting off people's heads. Seemingly to them, in their mind, it's at random. Right. Now, Crane seems fearful, and what makes it scary, of course, is seeing these grown men telling this story like it's a fact. Yeah. But he's undaunted, Ichabod is. Right. He doesn't believe in ghosts and declares he's going to discover the killer and that he is a Whoever fle- he is. Whoever yes. this flesh and blood individual yes. is. And that night, the horseman kills another man, Jonathan Masbeth. Now, who these people are is all going to connect later. It's like, because yeah. one of the things about this movie is it's a, a conspiracy. Of course. It's essentially Tim Burton takes a legendary ghost story, you know, from With, American that's history. Very, really very flat. And mixes like and dumps like a ton of horror and gore into it, and then a conspiracy, a murder conspiracy. Yeah, it's great. So, and I think that that was the best part of the movie to me, as far as is that this whole is how you connect all these dots throughout the film, and find that you know essentially it's this whole murder conspiracy. Yeah, and in the midst of it all, we're finding out personal things about Ichabod. We're finding out we're unlayering his character. It's good. It's fun. So Crane arrives to the crime scene on gunpowder, which is the horse that he had in the story, which Mm -hmm. was gifted to him by a family named the Killians, a local family. And uh, uh, Masbeth's head is gone. Crane is able to correctly analyze the crime scene and just showing again he's a smart guy. Yeah, and he has all these, you know, like powders and and newfangled glasses and everybody's watching him like, oh my God, because the idea you're supposed to get, and it's from in the text, but also we're being... We're given we're given that impression in the film is that these are superstitious people. Right. They are simple, simple, not simple in a bad way. Simple, like they're they're not worried about progress. They're not worried about no, you know, anything moving forward. They're happy as an agricultural society. Right. And generally, agricultural societies do end up being superstitious, especially way back in the day. Right. So they're watching his newfangled technology. And yeah, they with think it's wonder. Weird. And right. yeah, actually, no one's really skeptical at this point. They're kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. Right. So Crane is then approached by Masbeth's son. This is important because he becomes a very important character. We only know him as young Masbeth. Yeah. He's played by actor Mark Pickering. He's a young, looks like he's a teenager yeah. in his mid-teens. He offers his assistance to Crane. His, his father had been killed just at this point. We find that his mother had died, so he's orphaned, Poor and he he kind of t- he kind of you know clings to Ichabod as almost like a father figure. Yeah, he's kind of like, hey, like let me like kind of avenge right. my dad. Kind and of thing. Crane accepts his help, and then mysteriously, the town magistrate. This is Uncle Vernon. <laughs> uh, his name is Philipsy. He tells Crane that that Masbeth wasn't. Excuse me, that Masbeth wasn't the fourth. Remember, there's already been three. Yeah. It was the, the Garrett father, the Garrett son, and the widow Winship. Mm-hmm. The magistrate, Philipsy, he goes, hey, there's not four dead. There's five. Yeah, there's a... There's so a he kind of slips Ichabod some info, some insider info. Low. After this, we have a great scene. And, okay, this is what makes me happy about this movie, <laughs> is that there were some great parallels to the yes. story. Sorry, we no, have I'm... the bridge scene. Ah. Uh. 
We had yeah, this we great scene. Yeah, we were like scene. freaking out while we were watching. We're like, oh, this is just like it. This is just like it. We have this great scene where Ichabod's on gunpowder and is crossing the bridge. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, very much like the Disney version, he hears the frogs and all these crazy things. And he sees the horseman. And the horseman pursues him, overtakes him, and throws the flaming pumpkin at him. Yep. That's the iconic scene. Yes. Is the flaming pumpkin. And uh, and yeah. And a, yet another homage to it is who who is it? It is Brom Bones. Yeah. Which Casper we know ended. is really who it is. Who really had some promise in the late 90s. I don't know what is it, what is he doing now? He Jeff, was in we, the Omega Code. I remember that. I don't remember <laughs> it that It was at a terrible all. like TV. Jeff, movie. do you know who, do you know what Casper Van Dien's up to? <laughs> He's like doing like he's still reprising his role from Starship Troopers, except it's like these oh. weird low budget animated movies. It's not good. Oh no! It's oh, bad. okay. That's a little upsetting. Yeah. Not that that's necessarily. I, I mean, mean, I, I don't know. I, I haven't IMDb'd him in a while, I don't, but I have definitely not have. I haven't seen him anything. You know, in anything. I liked him a lot. I mean, I, the first Star Tri- Starship Troopers was good. I like it. <laughs> yeah, and I thought he was yeah. good in it. I would have expected someone a little bit more burly to be to be honest. Like if I were going to if I was physically filling the role. Right. I would have wanted someone m- more burly. But then again, Johnny Depp isn't exactly I mean, if we wanted to be really correct, we probably would have casted Adrian Brody. Who right. Looks more who looks more like a Ichabod anyway, so we're not going for physicality in this one. Well, it's it's very important also that right before the bridge scene, I I missed this on the notes, but oh, right yeah. before Crane discovers through this tip that there were five victims, and he discovers ultimately that the widow Winship, who was supposedly the third victim, was actually pregnant. Yes. So her unborn child was killed. So that would mean we have five victims. Yeah. Right. Because that's kind of yeah. overkill if you think about it. Yeah, that's terrible. I mean, right. You, so what cut is cut the woman's what, head off? Obviously, she's not going to give birth to the child. <laughs> Did she, yeah. you really have to stab her in the womb? Like, yeah, like to make sure that yeah, yeah that's awful. I will say, yeah, that Horrific. was the one thing that made it hard to even watch this again. Was it was really violent, you know? And uh, but I was okay until later on that we'll get to. Yeah. So <laughs> that night after. Brom nails Ichabod with the pumpkin, you know, throws it at him, yes. knocks him down, you know, um, and has his fun. Uh, Ichabod has a conversation with Katrina, which is very important because we find out three very important facts, get some exposition, mm-hmm. three things from this exposition. She talks about how all the families in Sleepy Hollow are connected by either blood or marriage. Mm-hmm. That's important to know. Katrina's mother is not Lady Mary. Lady Mary is her stepmother. Her biological mother passed away, and Lady Mary was actually her mother's nurse. And then also, the third thing that's important to know is that the Van Garretts set up the Van Tassels, gave them land and work, and helped them prosper. So that's all going to play a role. Yes, that's why we need to know important. that. And of course, all this time, Katrina and Ichabod are becoming closer, and they're having their nice little moments out in the yes, woods. Yes, and, and Katrina is, is, is showing major... Um, witchy vibes from the get-go yes she has knowledge of witches and like drawing runes and stuff yeah and, and she's do- doing a lot of like you know earthy herbally kind of type things she gives him a book that has like it's a guide to spirituality and things like that and it was her mother's so by this point we haven't talked about it yet but we've also seen a, f- a couple i think one flashback of Ichabod. yeah we get several flashbacks throughout the film of Ichabod and and what happened with his mom and dad. Yeah, and the one thing that we always see, even before we get to the crazy stuff, is that his mom 
was... She believed in the power of nature. Yeah, she was very much a child of nature, and he yeah. does eventually describe her as that. But then we find out that that is also Katrina's background. Right, and his so dad... So we see that bridge mm, for them. And his dad is a very fundamental religious... Yeah. Kind of like a Puritan almost. Well, it would yeah. Seem. I mean, probably. So, <laughs> Crane confronts the magistrate, Phillipsy, Uncle Vernon. Phillips. I think it's... Was it he Phillips? Said, or, he, he pronounces it Phillips. Oh, well, he had an end. I couldn't tell. I don't know. Who knows? Well, he confronts him about how he knew about the widow Winship being pregnant, but before Phillips can or Phillipsy or Phillips can tell him, <laughs> the horseman just comes out of nowhere. I mean, out of all, I mean, suddenly out of smoky tunnels in the woods, yeah, the horseman just barrels well, out. Well, whenever just, he shows up, there's always lightning, thunder, and then you hear the foot, you hear the right. horse's hooves. So and you're like, oh comes, crap! Right. But he kills the magistrate before he can tell Ichabod anything. No post he, on Sundays. Right. And he witnesses the whole thing. <laughs> and what's more striking is that the horseman doesn't kill Ichabod. Yeah. This is interesting. And I, I even remember watching the movie for the first time. And Jeff, I think I saw this movie at Parkwood when you worked there. I'm pretty we, sure uh, I we went We were actually it. working at uh, Cinema Zeta South Link. Oh, I think maybe it was there I saw it. Yeah. I But I he, think he, I remember actually showing up and seeing that, but... The incident causes Crane to suffer from shock, but he recovers and vows to find yes. the horseman. And we see the we see the Ichabod that is written and is in the Disney films. Just the terrified, like, oh my god. Right, yeah. Hiding I mean, under his covers. It's cute. Yeah, he 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 did great yeah. in, in that, you know. Well, Crane and the young Masbeth ride out to the woods doing some investigating, and they encounter a witch known as a crone, who is this woman kind of shrouded. You can't even tell who she is. And she reveals the location of the horseman horseman's resting place, like yes. his grave. And they go. She there. like channels. She's like he he comes. Like she channels some spirit. Right. And they which go. They go and are joined by Katrina, and they find the horseman's body. Actually, they they have to like hack into the tree. It's all this blood and stuff. Yeah. It's almost. I, I do think it's it's almost too much. It's almost like good grief. But that's kind of. I mean, uh, he Tim Burton also did that with Sweeney Todd. And yeah, and I he think do, he does it. And it is camp. Like, I think yeah. Jeff, you mentioned it before we you started. You talked recording. about like how the blood being really red was on. Yeah, purpose. Jeff, why don't you speak to that? Well, specifically in this movie, I think it was a little over the top. the The, the color of the blood is it wasn't what you normally get, you know, in movies. It was it was very bright and it was thick, you know, almost like. Looked fake on purpose, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, like we know Tim Burton can be realistic, so he obviously made a conscious decision and, not to be. Yeah, and it could it have been be. just a contrast thing, like you know, because the movie, like you mentioned, is true, is, is very, you know, very dreary. dreary. I mean, it's beautiful, it's shot beautifully, it's one of his yes. most beautifully shot movies. Oh, yeah, but yeah, maybe, maybe he just wanted the blood to stand out, but I think it was, it was beyond that. I think it was a little bit paying homage to some some of the older, you know, campier horror movies, perhaps. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> it's Tim Burton. I think that's true because there was a there's a moment, there's a flashback moment when they're talking about the horseman when right. it opens with these everyone with pitchforks and like, you know, like scythes and stuff like that. And it looked like an old like Frankenstein movie or something like from the 30s. So I feel like you're correct. With that, it's definitely a, yeah. an homage to the olden days. I think that was the that ba- I think that was the battle scene. I think it was bayonet 
spears. Was it? I thought it was just people. No, he was riding into battle. That's right. I'm just remembering what I want to. Forgive no, it's me. okay. <laughs> I understand that, but I but I do think that, but I think that <laughs> but your that's what it, point. But you know what? That's what. It, but the reason why I said that, I think, is because that's what it reminds me of. It actually very specifically, and you guys will really understand what I'm saying. It reminds me very specifically of uh, Van Helsing and <laughs> that opening with Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. We're not going to get into right. that. <laughs> yes. No, we're we not even going to. We're, we're not even going to go there. The worst movie yeah. ever made. Oh, basically. But yes. also one of my favorites because it's so bad. Thank you, Stephen Summers. And what the heck were you doing? But they, were, I mean, th- it was that same kind of feeling, and I'm pretty what sure that's doing? why I remember. Hey, Pitchfork. Yeah, what we could we could go on about that all. We got to do a spe- No, we should do. Okay, no, we, we should, will do that. We should do a special. I'm just saying that we are. We should do a very special tape store episode on Van Helsing. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of over the top though. I'm going to move into what I think is really one of the more iconic scenes of the film. This is the scene where the horseman kills the Killian family. Oh, it's awful. He kills the husband, wife, and the little boy. Now, but, you don't see the little boy. But it's enough to just see Sweet Baby scared. I can't. If I had any... Now, look, I love this movie. Yeah. Beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Really well done. I love the take on, on the story of the Headless Horseman. But... If I had any moment where I was kind of like, okay, this is a little much, mm-hmm. it was this. Um, the Killians are a family in Sleepy Hollow. The wife, particularly, is the midwife. Yeah, and they're and they're sweet. They're likable. Yeah, they're... and it's just you know You're what not it them. again. What had just happened was Ichabod and the young Masbeth found out that the horseman doesn't have his head and we're starting to kind of maybe put a, you know, that his, the horseman's head has something to do with this. Yeah. It's missing, but we still don't have the whole, the, the dots aren't connected, but suddenly it's like a normal night. The Killian family, they just had dinner and the horseman just busts in, kills the, the father. Yeah. He's you know, trying to save his family. Right. They, they fight for a minute. And all I remember this guy, I think uh, his last, his last name, the actor is Waddington. I think he was uh, he was in um the last of the Mohicans. So I remember oh, him. I he, he was also in the uh, the Tudors. Yeah, he's a good he actor. Uh, he's okay. a he, he's Duke a of, uh, something. He was yeah. like Henry's like rival at the beginning. He actually should have played Henry VIII because he looked more like. The, yeah. the he does. Actual. Yeah, he but actually does. Yeah. He, he's usually a character actor, but he's a really, really, really good actor. And and uh, he kills him. Then he the the mom Beth her mm. is her name. She hides their son under the house, and the horseman kills her. Um, and you think that the little boy is going to make it. He's hiding, and the horseman leaves. And on the, the the most the really iconic moment is when he turns around real Ugh. fast, and you just know it's over. And you don't see it; you just see him come out with a bag, you know. And it, it, it I was really like, oh, yeah, you gonna- that, it bothers me. Like, are you, are you see him? I think he's completing, like he's putting a head in the the sack, right? Yeah, like the la- like the third head, and it's Ugh. pretty obvious it's the third head, and yeah, it's it's, it's bothersome. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it it was. I I think I I guess if anything was overkill and a little much, it was mm-hmm. that scene. I mean, this and, bothered me before I was a parent, and it bothers me obviously even more so now. It was really really horrifying, mm-hmm. but so as he leaves, Brom Bones confronts the horseman as he's leaving the Killian home after he's killed the family. And he tries killing him. He shoots him, and he thinks he's got him, but he doesn't. You know, the horseman gets right back up. 
but the horseman ignores him. He, yeah. He attempts to kind of, you know. Just go on his way. Yeah, he's just going on his way. And he's this like, is strange. It's, this, it's like the second time we've seen this happen. Yeah. Brom is undeterred, and he's going to try to go at him again. Ichabod arrives at this time and tries to convince Brom, like, Ichabod knows something. He goes, he says, Look, he's not here for you. He's not here for you. So he knows at this point the horseman is, is killing certain people for a particular reason. These right. aren't random. Mm-mm. This isn't rampage killings by a ghost. No. They're targeted. But Brom persists. The horseman wounds Ichabod, who tries to help Brom, and ends up killing Brom. Yeah, Matt, really horrifically. Yeah, but again, the horseman leaves Ichabod alive. After this, Ichabod fully believes in the magic of the horseman and has now deduced again that the horseman is not killing at random but on command. And I just want to add, and we had brought this up briefly, that throughout the film, because Ichabod is um, he's attacked by the horseman and, and he goes into, uh, I think they, they give him something to sedate him after this whole situation. Um, and this is where he goes and has the final dream. Ichabod's giving something. He, he's oh, that's right. Katrina gives him the draft. That's right because he gets stabbed. He gets stabbed. Yeah, the horseman and wounds him. He has him. the feet. You know, he's like you know, he's got an infection kind of. And so Katrina makes a little witchy draft. Right. And this is where spe- we find she's actually saying this. Is the first time we see her saying spells and crap. Right. And this is where we find that uh, Ichabod's mother was uh, killed due to her beliefs in nature and yeah. things and the earth by a very religious father. And she was again brutally killed. Yes, and he rev- and again another. I, c- I couldn't really watch that. I had to look away. You did. I really you did, did look, look away. I looked at. I like looked over at Brooke when when he discovers his mom and how she died. She was put into some kind of torture device. Yeah, really, really. Which I've actually heard that Johnny Depp asked for that prop. Did he? Yeah. Wow. Like for his home, which I don't have. I, I, I have no words. Right. <laughs> Why would you need well, this? Well, he, he reveals all this to Katrina along with his feelings for her. Right. So at this point. Because he wakes up from the dream and she happens to be there waiting on him. And just when we think Ichabod might be down for the count, of course, he bounces right back up and he starts putting this thing together. We have Baltus Van Tassel. We have the doctor mm-hmm. who is played by Ian McDiarmid, the emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reverend, which is Jeffrey Jones. The notary, Alfred. The magistrate, Uncle Vernon. These are all people that... <laughs> <laughs> this is how we know them. This is how we call uh, them. And the midwife, who was uh, Beth Killian. What secret connected them? So Crane and Masbeth find, through the notary, they press the notary. This is Hardenbrook is his name, but this is the guy that's Alfred. <clears throat> that Peter Van Garrett had an affair with the widow Winship and changed his will at the last minute to mm. give his estate to the widow Winship and their child. The Van Garretts are murdered. The widow Winship and her child, who would have claimed the estate, was murdered. Masbeth was a witness to the will. He was murdered. Mm-hmm. The conclusion that Ichabod comes up with, which is what I I liked this. This is yeah. the stuff that I liked, the detective work. Yeah. The horseman is eliminating people who would protect the previous will, which leaves everything to the Van Tassel family, which Ichabod has now his first theory. Baltus Van Tassel is somehow controlling the horseman. Right. Later that night, Ichabod follows a figure into the woods. Now, he's staying at the Van Tassel house, and he finds that Lady Mary is having an affair with an unknown man. Yeah. Which just brings a whole new level of weird. Which before that, he what is it? He discovers something in his room. Right. Under his bed. Well, it's the, it's the circle, the runes. Yes. And he's think and, and and young Masbeth is like, "Oh no, that's the evil eye. Someone's trying to put a curse on you." Right. So he so this he's just concocted the the um Van Garrett theory. No, right. sorry, the Van Tassel the Van theory. Tassel so he's theory. like, "Okay." So the Van T- the fan- So he's putting he he's 
trying he's trying to connect all those dots. He's trying to and he yeah. and he thinks that Baltus, Michael Gambon, right, the, the father, the mm-hmm. the landowner is the one. Well, the next morning, it is found that the notary Hardenbrook has committed suicide. Crane is confronted by Lady Mary who tells him that she knows what he saw the previous night mm-hmm. and not to tell Baltus. And she kind of makes it seem like don't tell him I'm cheating right. on him. Right. And when well, it's important because she in during what he saw yeah, during doing, this she cut her little hand. dalliance. Yeah, she cuts her hand with a knife. It looks Pretty very ceremoniously. It looks very ritualistic. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Baltus arrives and warns Ichabod that the reverend who is again one of the really powerful people in the town is holding a town meeting to condemn Ichabod mm-hmm. and that he should leave town. Crane doesn't leave. And that night, Baltus witnesses the horseman ride upon his wife, Lady Mary. We don't see what happens, but Baltus frantically arrives to the church that night, claiming that the horseman has killed his wife, Lady Mary. Crane enters the church. You know, again, the horseman is, you know, has just killed someone, according to Baltus. They start locking the doors, and the horseman does indeed show up, but cannot enter because this is a church. Right. Holy ground. Men attempt to shoot the horseman to no avail. I mean, they're just. Like they shoot Wasting him like ammo. 30 times. Meanwhile, Baltus and the Reverend begin to fight. So this is a conspiracy. And the main players of this conspiracy are starting to turn on each other. Yeah, it's coming out. Baltus and the Reverend begin to fight. The doctor intervenes, tries to tell Baltus, like, listen, here's what's really going on. But the Reverend kills him with a big cro- wooden cross, like hits him. Because, he's yeah, he's starting to talk. Baltus shoots the Reverend, kills him. <laughs> they're all just like, they're dropping like flies. The horseman's like, I don't even have to do <laughs> it's anything. a real bad game of Clue. The horseman, then suddenly, Baltus is like, look, something's going on here, but he's unable to figure it out because the horseman harpoons him <laughs> and jerks him. <laughs> Even Brooke was like, oh, my God. I don't have seen this before. <laughs> like, pulls him out. Remember this scene, Jeff? The, the, the church scene was really horrific. It, and it's, yeah. and it's there's, you don't get a minute. You do not get a minute <clears throat> to breathe. Uh, and Katrina witnesses this. She sees the horseman harpoon her dad, pull him out of the church, drag him across the outside of the church grounds and behead him. With Baltus and Lady Mary dead, Crane assumes that the only one responsible must now be Katrina, whom he already suspects of witchcraft. We've talked about it enough. Yeah, she's she's pretty she's pretty witchy. So and now he has feelings for her, so he right. he's like, I'm out of here. Well but also they've had a tiff because she was really upset. Because she found his not so inconspicuous book that said, "I think it's Baltus." Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like she was like, he might not have liked what she saw in the book, and he opens uh, the book and is like, "It's Baltus." <laughs> Baltus like, did it. <laughs> so, so she's angry, and she burns. That's right. She that's burns right. The evidence. She burns his uh, notes and stuff. And yeah. and and a not so fantastic acting moment on her part. That's right. Like, I'm sorry. I'm glad Brooke was there to fill that in. Katrina did burn. Uh, Ichabod's notes. She went back to her, you know, before the, the church the, situation. The foundations of their old home, which he knew where to find her. Well, and burned it and was mad. And was like, I curse the day you came to see right, me hollow. Right. So now that this has happened, Crane has seen unspeakable horrors <laughs> and now he's personally invested because he has fallen for Katrina and now that's gone south. And yeah. she, and in his mind now, she's doing it. Yeah. And he's out of his league because. Now that we've revealed everything that he, you know, he said he lost his faith, his faith when he was seven because of what happened with his mom. So all he's ever believed in are facts and figures and logic. Right. And it, it, that has very little place here because it's all fantastical. It's all spiritual or whatever. So he, he's just struggling in general. Yeah. So Crane's done. Right. He's leaving. And as he's passing by, he notices Lady Mary's body. It's a female body that's been beheaded in a carriage. And then he has kind of this moment like, wait a minute, something's not right here. 
He takes the book out that Katrina gave him. Katrina had given him a book. So it'll keep you safe. He opens it up and realizes that the evil eye, what he thought was the evil eye, was actually a protection spell. Mm-hmm. And he's she like, she did it in the church as well. Yes. And then he decides to go back and check the body that he thought was Lady Mary's. He noticed the wound and he finds out that the wound was made after this body was killed. Yep. And this causes him to realize this is this body's a fake. This is not Lady Mary. Lady Mary. Yeah. is still and alive. it's not Katrina at all. And indeed she is. Yeah. Lady Mary appears to Katrina, who faints again. I know, <laughs> Because she thinks that her stepmom's dead. And Katrina is abducted by Lady Mary and taken to an old windmill where Lady Mary reveals the whole shebang. Yep. And here it goes. She was from an impoverished family. The Archers was her last name. She was evicted by Van Garrett years ago in favor of Baltus and Katrina. So her family was thrown off the land so Van Garrett could give that land to Baltus and Katrina. I guess he just liked them more. Yeah. And she swore revenge that because Van Garrett caused her family to be impoverished. And she got her chance as she was one of the little girls, the two little girls. One of the creepy little blonde twins. Who witnessed the horsemen being killed by the Continental soldiers. Yes. She watched them kill him. And then she traded her soul to the devil. And what kind of like child do you have to be to well, be like this is the way I'm gonna go one that had witnessed obviously her family well yeah. you know come to but nothing still, that's but still I mean you know yeah she, pretty dark she trades her soul to the devil to be able to raise the horseman and use him to take her vengeance out on everyone either connected to Van Garrett's wrongdoing to her family or anyone that had some knowledge of it she has the horseman's skull and that's what she uses to summon him to kill who yes. she wants and she uses him to kill Katrina Ichabod and young Masbeth show up, and of course they now are targets as well. There's a chase. There's a really spectacular fight on the carriage. Oh, yeah. Ray Park style. The chase ends at the dead tree, where Lady Mary is there. She shoots Ichabod and grabs Katrina. Ichabod, only wounded though, saved actually by the book that Katrina gave him, tackles Mary off her horse and is able to obtain the horseman's head and returns it to him. Does do you guys remember that scene when he throws the head? The horseman like catches it, like boom, like, like appreciate it's time. it, like yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> the horseman puts his head back on, and we see this this scene that Brooke had actually kind of been waiting on. Like I'm waiting to see this yes. regen, this regeneration. Someone scene. had posted it on Instagram actually. Like yeah. and I, I knew we were doing this episode; it was coming up. So I was like, ah, ah, because someone posted said, "Listen, uh, Christopher Walken, who has nary a line." And anytime we see his face, it's just horrific. He's a really good villain, and he doesn't even say anything. I agree with Jeff on the fact that his, w- though he wasn't physically uh, doing yeah, the role, yeah. when he was the horseman as Christopher Walken, yeah. it was his presence Ugh. and his look, and just Christopher Walken's overall ability to be Christopher yeah. Walken, which no one else can do but Christopher Walken. Right. He was incredible as the horseman. But like the sinews and the like. Yeah, you see the region. Muscles and bleh. And he, suddenly it's Christopher Walken, you know. Well, With it's the horseman. His sharp teeth. He's now into his original form. He ignores Ichabod, Katrina, and Masbeth. Now that the curse has been completed. He kind of looks at them like, thanks guys. Well, it's kind of like returning the head. Yeah, he kind of looks at them as like, okay. Yeah. And... With the the head being returned to the horseman, the curse has been completed, so the last thing must be done, which is to take Lady Mary into the dead tree, killing her. And what does he do before he takes her God, in? Like she's a she's passed out at first, and then she wakes up in his arms, and he's looking at her. That was a really that was awful. That was a really That's striking shot. Nightmare. That shot with him mm-hmm. looking down at her. You know what I'm talking about, Jeff? Yeah, he's just like 
Almost yeah. with like like disdain, just complete like Yeah, it's oh yeah. Me. It's all over. Like this was <laughs> never gonna end well for you. Uh mm-hmm. I know, and he kisses her, but also like Well, because he has these sharpened stabs teeth. Stabs her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like and it's bloody and scary and and then, yeah. and then they dive down. they have what? the M T V best kiss award. Right. Oh my god. Wasn't it nominated? It probably was. It might have. It probably Uh, was. And then they reverse birth into the tree. You know, can I just say, though? hell, I'm guessing. Right. Can I just say, though, uh, Miranda Richardson plays this villain in this movie, which is, this is a big movie, Mm -hmm. but Miranda Richardson has an incredible body of work. Am I correct? I mean, she is just phenomenal. I mean, I mean, Unbelievable. She's one of my favorites. Oh, and we also need to mention she also plays her sister, which yeah. is the crone. Yeah. And and Lady Mary kills her as well because right. she because she knew about she knew she about about Crane and all that. Like she knew too much. Yeah. So uh, Miranda Richardson was also the crone, um which was awesome and creepy. So the horseman has went back to H-E double hockey sticks. <laughs> uh Lady Mary is dead. So much carnage, though. I mean, it's almost irredeemable. Yeah. Uh, the film does end, though, with Ichabod and Katrina together, yes. accompanied by young Masbeth. Yay. Arriving to, yeah, arriving to New York City, which looks like this winter wonderland. I know. Another, but again, Edward be- Scissorhandsian. Beautifully shot. And again, Brooke, you'll want to talk about the dress. Yes, that- I do. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for you to stop so I can talk about the dress. <laughs> Listen, this dress. Every time I see it, I'm like, God, yes. I listen. I I have a a search saved on Amazon for that dress because I just want to buy it. I just want it. I just want to have it and wear it. And I don't know when or how, but it's the most beautiful dress. It's like black. It's got you know. It's the typical Tim Burton black and white striped. Yes, Beetlejuice esque. Right. Like no one would have worn that in colonial. I even asked America. that. I said I don't know if they would have had that style back then. No, they wouldn't. But she <laughs> Just, but she no. stands <laughs> out. Like when they walk down the road at the end, she just well, yes. stands out and it's oh, it's just so beautiful. And all is perhaps well. I mean in 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 any kind of Tim Burton world, who knows. I know. But it's cool that she I mean she gets to leave Sleepy Hollow. She goes to the great big world where yeah. she'll be accepted for the who turn she of the is. century. You know, yeah, and exactly. We've got, you know, it's 1800s coming up. And um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and one note about Johnny Depp's performance that I keep I keep forgetting to bring up. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to bring it up now. Uh, I read some interviews with him about this, about him preparing for this role. And one, he said he wanted to play a man who was almost more in touch with his feminine side than than his masculine side. I, understand, I can liked, see that. He wanted to kind of challenge that masculinity. Well, which he does. I love. He, he does actually challenge the masculinity he around does, him, and I love it because successfully. Yes, because he is. I mean, yeah, he's scared of spiders, but he dives right into the dead bodies and does the job. You know what I mean? And also, he based his de- the detective side of mm-hmm. him off of Basil Rathbone's uh, interpretation of Sherlock Holmes. He really created. I think my favorite version of Ichabod Crane. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, and, and there's been a few versions out there, but he's he's surrounded by a lot of mascul- full-blown masculinity. Yeah. Uh, Alpha male types. Right. And Which no one likes. With Brom to Baltus to all these guys, and he really challenges mm-hmm. successfully and kind of is... It, and know, doesn't actually, I don't think we can count Baltus in that. I think Baltus was actually... A little, a little softer than the I men think, around. Yeah, him. I think you're right. Yeah. Because and and Katrina was right. She was like, if you knew my dad, like you wouldn't, 
You would not be. No, I think Baltus these. was a good guy. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, I just want to say this one thing. In the church, before the doctors killed, he says, he goes, you've been played as a fool, Baltus. Like, you're being fooled. Yeah. So Baltus really wasn't in on it. He he no. had no idea that he was. His friends were playing playing him. Right. So, Jeff, what, what's your kind of take on all of it, you know, post-mortem, I guess, for Sleepy Hollow? <laughs> you mean, or you mean, like, the, the masculinity and all that stuff? You are sure, just any, any, any of it, really. Well, like, um, I think that's kind of like his acting wheelhouse, you know, to begin with. You know, if you look at Jack Sparrow or, you know, Willy Wonka and stuff oh, like that, yeah, or even Edward Scissorhands, he is very dainty. He is very, you know, he, he there's a touch of, of, of femininity in all of his performances, I think. and that's You his, are right think that's just where he likes to be as an actor you know that's where he has his comfort zone so um I, I, and of course i definitely agree that he he <laughs> it, it it was pretty obvious in this role that he yeah he had that going on but I, you know, like you said i think he, i think he nailed it i, I just want to share my favorite part of the movie and then we can all share our respective favorites and we can close it out but when jonathan masbeth's body is you know they're at the crime scene so to speak and the doctor had moved the body, and he goes, did you move the body? And he goes, well, yes. And he goes, you must never move the body. And he goes, why? Because. <laughs> that's it. And that's it. <laughs> and I love that about him. And the fact of the matter is, he does have a reason, but for some reason, I just like in that moment that Ichabod or Johnny Depp through Ichabod decides, I'm not going to explain it just because. Like, don't do it. Just don't. <laughs> like, I have my reasons. I'm not going to even explain them to you. <laughs> just because. I just love that. Because. I love that part. I love the part where they're first explaining to him what's going on, like when he first arrives and all the elders are in the room. The storytelling, just that whole scene, and I just love how you know he's he's like you said, you know he's he's shaking his his tea. He's obviously affected by their tale of the headless horseman, and then he just like you know puts the tea down. He's like, "Murder need no ghost come from the grave. The assassin is a man of flesh and blood, and I will discover him." You know, he's like, "Yeah, yeah. I love that great line." He's, he's you know, I mean, he's faced his fear, the first of his fears, I guess you might say. Yeah. And have yeah, you ever true. done that? Like, you're really terrified of something, and you just screw it. I'm going in. <laughs> you know it's like what I mean? Nick, Nick from New. <laughs> I think that that is a great parallel to how Ichabod is described mm-hmm. in the book. Now, understand what Ichabod is going against in the book, in the original story, let's say. It's not a book, you know, the short story. is He's really just dealing with Brom Bones. Yeah. Who is, who is, other than being burly and kind of bullyish, you know, yeah. he's a good-humored, decent guy. Yeah. But it says that any normal man facing Brom Bones would be like, you know what, you can have Katrina. Right. But it says, but there was something about Ichabod that just, you know, he it, it didn't bother him. He just continued to try to vie for Katrina's, yeah. even in response to Brahms really Advances, intimidating, yeah. it, you know. And I think that that Ichabod, I think that that's the one thing that uh, Johnny Depp's version of Ichabod shares with the original. That precociousness. Is this, uh, this uh, flexible rigidness that kind of keeps bouncing back. Mm-hmm. And he does that several times. You think, oh man, he's done. And he just, like you said, Jeff, he just, he, he straightens his spine back up and he's like, okay, here we go. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I think I like that scene too because it reminds me of, because like I said, we, we watch the, the Disney Sleepy Hollow multiple times a day with our kids because they love it. Yeah, we've watched it like three or four times yeah, today. Yeah, and there is a scene <laughs> when Brombo, well, now obviously in Disney, Brom Bones is telling the, tor- the story, but Ichabod has a teacup. 
and he's pouring it and he keeps pouring it because he's freaked out. So that scene when he's shaking his tea, mm. I'm like, there are so many small homages to the Disney movie. And maybe they did that on purpose because, right. you know, we all probably grew up with it. Um, but but I kind of love those little nuggets that he puts in there. And I and know I we think, discussed. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I know we discussed it prior to doing the podcast. I don't know if we mentioned it, but that uh, but there was this part in the in the book or the or the original story where it was um suggested i guess you could say that brom bones was the yes. headless horseman and they kind of pay homage to that in that one scene you know where he throws the pumpkin the flaming pumpkin yes right. it's like a in, it's like a play-by-play of that exact mm-hmm. scene from yeah. disney and i think we talked about it earlier in the we episode can do a side-by-side of that yeah cause... i think we talked about it earlier in the episode i mean spoiler alert i mean in the story <laughs> It's it's and we talked about that before we recorded. I know is that in the story there there's one phrase in the very beginning. It's revealed that Ichabod did survive. He, yeah, he's fine. His his um his wild not you know, midnight ride. His wild midnight ride with the horseman. And in fact, it's pretty much hinted that it was Brom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that there was a lot. But I want to say my one critique, of course, is just the overkill. I you know. The, the overkill yeah. was, but I, th- I thought, but Tim Burton that was Sweeney Todd as well. It could have been reduced. Well, because it's Tim Burton, you know. But that's Which but I did look. Not enjoy. Uh, but all in all, I'm not complaining. You know, we we I do love Sleepy Hollow, even the parts that I have to kind of turn away from. Yeah. So I think one, I think for me, one thing that I found interesting, I kept I kept mentioning it to Toby when we were watching the movie uh, again the other night. I was like, you know, the the parallels with Ichabod's mother. And with Katrina, it's very like Freudian. He's got a lot like whenever he's whenever we see mom, she's obviously very pure, but she's also very like sensual, like, yeah, more like I mean, not, I saw that. not so maternal. She's really just like this, like siren almost. And right. She's very otherworldly. And, Katr- and well, definitely. Be- and, and that definitely works as a contrast to his dad. Exactly. Yeah. They're just so different. But then when he meets Katrina. It's like, you know, when you're a kid and you and you look at your parents, they're like they're like superheroes, right? You know, and then you sure. grow up and you're like, oh, you're you're a human too. You know, you mess up. But when he meets Katrina, I feel like he can look at his mom with a different, more tangible view because right. he's seeing echoes of his mom in Katrina, and he's like, yeah, it really clear. is okay. It really is okay to be this way. Yes. And it really wasn't good what happened. Like he knew that, but he had repressed it. And he didn't remember it until, interestingly enough, Katrina gave him the draft which unlocked yeah. that memory and he was kind of able to lay that to rest. So I I don't know. I th- no, I found I think that you, very enjoyable. And I think you hit on a deeper message of the film, which is I think that Ichabod had a had abandoned all things spiritual yeah. for hard evidence. Yeah. And was and and it took this experience, I think, for him to realize that both worlds can coexist. You can right. have science and hard facts, but also have the spirituality. Yeah, because there's a, what's that quote? He said, it's all about optics, because sometimes what you see isn't necessarily what really is. Right. And that is that. And when he said that line, we're like, and there's the movie. Like, that's <laughs> that's the message of the movie is like, just yeah. because you see it doesn't mean that there's not more to it. Right. And that that brings in faith and those kinds of things. Yeah. So. You know. Faith and you know, you know, faith and and facts can exist in the yeah. same in the same space. Faith and facts can coexist, absolutely. Well, does anybody have anything else 
<laughs> me and Jeff definitely remember. You know, McFarlane Toys came out with some great toys. Uh, yes. They had a great toy line. Uh, I've been looking on at Sugala. them on eBay. <laughs> as I think been. I had Ichabod Crane. What? Uh, th- there's some stuff I had that I probably don't even remember before I got Grief. rid of it all. Yeah, I know. I was. Yeah, I had Ichabod, and I, for whatever reason, I never got the horseman. I don't. Did they? I don't know. They <laughs> did have him, yeah, and Maybe you can it was find hard him. To find. Yeah, he. I think it's a pretty penny now uh, for those. You know, a lot of the old McFarlane stuff, but. Well, guys, this has been great. I've enjoyed it. I mean, watching Sleepy Hollow was, I would say it's fun at times, but it's intense. I mean, definitely, too. It uh, has it's, its not moments. Like a, it's not exactly a comfort movie. No, no. <laughs> but it's but definitely fun to watch. Definitely it's fun. It's funny Def- you say that because it's one, it's one of the movies I choose to watch while I fall asleep at night. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't judge that. I have weird things no, that I watch to go to sleep, too. Because well, I But I love the Tim Burton vibes. Uh, I've seen, I mean, Jeff, did you see Corpse Bride? By chance, yes, and I would. I was going to mention that earlier, but we okay, were, we were me too. On. I kept I know, telling we Toby, no, yeah, I was like, we love Corpse Bride. I was like, okay, so Ichabod is definitely Victor, obviously. Yes. Uh Katrina is obviously a, a cross between Emily and Victoria. Um, we even we even have Christopher Lee in the beginning, who is basically you know just like the preacher. I I looked up to see if they were actually in any kind of production state right. at the same time, but they weren't. But because there's so many parallels to it, I think. You know what I'd like to see is just like there's an MCU, there needs to be a TBCU. Oh my god! Tim Burton Cinematic Universe, where, where they, they, where the Sleepy Hollow, Edward Scissorhands, oh Jack Skellington, they, all exist. Well, I, yeah, because I felt like the Corpse Bride and Beetlejuice were definitely in the same universe. Like, oh really? gosh, that's just me though. I maybe. Oh, maybe I'm here it for it. Okay, yeah. well. That that's for another episode. I want to. Can we just create? Well, that we're, universe? we're gonna close down the tape. <laughs> we're gonna close this thing down. I think we need to have an after hours oh, conversation. Jeez, we might please. need to uh, break out Beetlejuice again. I am. I will never ever say no to that. Yeah. Never. Well, uh, guys, this has been great. If you've been with us this entire time, we want to thank you for your time. It's very valuable. It's very limited, and any amount of time you spend with me and Brooke and Jeff, it's greatly appreciated. You know, we we appreciate when we hear from you guys when we get ratings and we have those moments where we're so appreciative but also we say man i can't believe people spend actually time listen to actually us. listen to us but we, we consider you friends and we appreciate you and we love you you're in our hearts so yes um follow us on okay so i'll let you do instagram, it brooke you're the instagram at the tape store on twitter the tape store pod and now yes. introducing we are you know we're hip and we're jive oh god we are on tiktok now yes we officially are where the kids are and yeah. actually we're having tons of great conversations about are you afraid of the dark yes and different 90s things over there so if you're on tiktok go join the fun yeah same old tape store new yes. and improved it's just yeah it's just the tape store on tiktok so um yeah follow us there if you are a tiktoker i don't yeah. even know what the terminology is <laughs> well jeff we appreciated you coming on as always it's, oh, always, it's always a pleasure to come it's an honor yeah, well, we love you. Yeah, we do. Wish you could actually be here in person. Yes, but uh, you know, one day. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, uh, guys, with that, let's close it down. This has been a great night, and we hope you enjoyed Sleepy Hollow at the Tape Store Podcast. If you and, haven't watched it, go watch it on Netflix. Yes, and we will see you next Thursday for more great '80s and '90s nostalgia on the Tape Store Podcast. This is Toby, and this is Brooke, and this is Jeff. We will see you next time, guys. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye.